Hi, and welcome to the 4th U Dimension podcast. My name is Ember Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education at the 4th Universalist Society in the city of New York. In today's podcast, I'm really excited to be sitting down with a guest who is joining us from all the way from the other side of the world. Her name is Aisha Mamabalo, and I am very excited to introduce her to you. I am very excited for today's guest. She is a friend of mine. She's coming all the way from Vietnam, so pardon any potential internet disconnects that we may have. I'm very excited to sit down today with Aisha Mamabolo. Hey, everybody. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure um, catching up with you, and um, I'm so grateful for, you know, having crossed paths with you, um, uh, like-minded uh, people and it's 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 really a blessing to be sitting here after a year even though you know we you know separated by distance it's, it's it's really a great thing to be able to reconnect and reconnect on the topics that we used to you know passionately speak about and discuss um so i'm really really grateful to be on this podcast and thanks for having me yes uh for context for everybody aisha and i both started working in Vietnam at the same company, the, at the same training. Uh, and that is where we first got to know each other. And we had some great conversations and great time getting to know each other during our time in Vietnam, even as we uh, spent time in separate cities. And yep, it was just about a year ago that we got to see each other. I had just gotten the offer for this position when we were recording, which is in uh, early May. And I was last seeing her in early June, which is when this podcast is going to be coming out. And so uh, it's quite some time has passed, but we got talking about colonialism and some messages. And I said, Aisha, come on our podcast. You'd be great uh, to get to introduce to our listeners. And so um, I'm really curious, Aisha. So you are a woman of color who moved internationally to teach uh, in Hanoi, uh, while many people mostly just know it as the, the capital of Vietnam, there is quite a variety of people from different cultures that do come to live there and to work there. Um, how has that experience been for you um, moving internationally as a woman of color? Um, well, you know, it initially started as a, as a traveling experience. And um, obviously, you know, due to COVID, um, I had to realign my, 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 you know, my thoughts going forward as, um, and looking at Vietnam as a, a, a place to stay or a home, a second home, um, a long-term home, should I rather say. And that kind of really changed my views because I stopped looking at life as a tourist. Um, so things stopped being... Um, monuments and pictures and Instagram. And I started to um, actually delve into the culture that I was actually living in and living amongst. Um, I had to adapt and learn to incorporate myself in a, a very homogenous country um, and, and, and see myself, you know, kind of not trying to fit in, but living with and amongst um, a country that functions in its own system and with its own different way. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, what we all tend to do when we get into situations is we, um, we gravitate towards a community, like, a, um, I don't want to say a similar community, but a comfortable community, or um, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm looking, sorry, I speak five other languages, so sometimes I will be looking for a word 
as it translates in my head, um, but a community where we find similarities. So um, we will gravitate towards the expat community, or I don't want to say the African community or the black community, or you know whatever we identify as, we will try and gravitate and keep ourselves within that community. Because at the end of the day, as human beings, we do feel safe in numbers. That's, I think, was the biggest turning point of my experience settling into Vietnam. When I stopped being a tourist and became a long time, you know, like resident of, of Vietnam, where I was, um, you know, kind of, you know, uh, educated and, and uh, my eyes were opened to a lot of different dynamics, um, which, um, which, 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 which really, you know, sparked on a lot of uh, discussions amongst people. Um, but uh, the topic that we are discussing is one of the big ones because I've met quite a few people within our expat community or within the international community that um, don't share a, a particular view or progressive view, should I rather say. I'm choosing my words, I'm trying to choose my words carefully um, because I'm not trying to be offensive and I'm not trying to be defensive, I'm just trying to have a discussion which is my point with everything. And many of the discussions that I've had within the communities, um, the international or the foreign um, communities within Vietnam um, have been shocking really. Um, so that's why I, I opened up and I said, I was grateful to, to, to meet a like-minded person because I remember settling into Vietnam wasn't as easy. It wasn't as easy for us. Um, as it was for other people who just had a particular system, all they had to do was follow a particular manual, one, two, three step, go start teaching. Um, we had weeks and weeks and weeks of being analyzed and you know, um, being questioned and going in to reprove ourselves and you know, the self-identification thing. And at that particular point, I think because we were so still new to Vietnam, we looked at it as, oh, it's a homogenous country that is not that is not used to this. But then you also realize that the company that we work for or that we worked for was was uh, predominantly, you know, international. It was predominantly Western. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, with most of the staff being from a Western culture, so um, it just was a very difficult or uh, different. Um, experience settling in. It took us much longer. It took me and you longer um, to settle into Vietnam as it did, you know, um, our other counterparts. And the why factor is 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 what we will be discussing today. You know, the way people think, the way people talk, um, the language people use, and basically how people perceive other people. Well, and I think about how we both picked locations to live that were uh, so many of the the expats automatically moved to like the the expat district basically they all congregate together whereas uh you headed um to the south of Hanoi and I headed to uh I think my directions now um I think that would be <laughs> the east of Hanoi uh and so we, we headed to areas that had significantly less expat population uh yes. where which was also a little bit more of a challenge. And as we prepared for this podcast, I know we talked about how there was also this sense where we saw in a lot of the other expats that, um, not not all, but a lot, this this attitude that they talked down to a lot of the 
um, people that either help them with something or work for them or work with, alongside of them. They're, you know, yeah. I, I was one of the things that I hated, like to, to watch people not even like know the names of, of the people that they worked with or not interact uh, at all As in a, in a friendly way. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as 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 you know, um, we we just had this discussion where you know I was actually grateful that you you rather asked how to pronounce my surname instead of just assuming and mispronouncing. You know, these this is just general conversation. You know, like it's just general. You know, human. You know, um, regarding of somebody else. You know, that is different, and also acknowledging that you do not speak a particular language or you don't have a particular term for this. So um, asking, how do I pronounce your, your name? Um, you know, is more out of respect than it is out of, you know, and acknowledging that there's another human being. So it is quite shocking that the things that we learned or like, um, as you were just saying now, um, as we didn't live in the Teho environment or the expat community, living out in Vietnam and some of the centers there, you know, like walking into work and people don't know um, who they're working with. That's a disregard of your colleague. You don't know their name. You call them by how you describe them, the fat one, the thick one, the tall one, the short one. Um, but you've been working there for over a year. So that to me is very, very confusing as to as to how your mind is working, as to how you see this person that you are working with, as how you respect that person. That person is not on the same level because you objectify them instead of acknowledging their existence as a human being. So that, there's a lot of that because the Teho community or the expat community um, is, you know, basically surrounded themselves or enveloped themselves in familiar surroundings and familiar identifications. And the minute you step out of it, it becomes about, you know, disregard instead of unlearning. Also forgetting the fact that this is a host country that we were in. We were guests. We are being hosted by another community. So it's very, very important if you're walking into someone's home to acknowledge that you are in their home. You cannot disregard the home that is hosting you. So that for me was a huge um, um, thing that um, really, really bothered me about the expat community. And this sparked a lot of discussion about, you know, um, some people saying that they want to learn a little bit of Vietnamese. Um, and I respect that, absolutely. My Vietnamese is still going terribly. I'm not going to lie, but I try endlessly. I try endlessly because I, I understand that this is not my native country. I am being hosted as a guest. So I try to make my way halfway instead of saying, these are these people and that's what they do. And that's how they function. What is they, what is they? That is a pronoun that groups a particular type of people in a particular way where you can generalize or generalize and put them into boxes and then say, this is what Vietnamese people do, or this is what people of color do, or this is what um, people that identify differently do. This is exactly the mindset that I am saying that needs to change, especially within our language. It's this they mentality. It's them, it's you do this, it's you do that. Why, why not we? Why not we? 
Why can I not show you what I don't know or what I do know and stand to be corrected? And live in that discomfort of saying, okay, it's okay. I, I only knew this little part. It's all right for me to only know this part, but now I can have a discussion. And that's where we can actually start addressing, um, you know, um, lessening or just trying to lessen the amount of ignorance that is being allowed just to thrive, which is allowing the language, which is allowing the influence of how we act towards each other as individuals. There was a quote, um, just to end what, I was, uh, what I'm saying right now, um, that I wrote earlier on um, as I was doing um, the research earlier on um, 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 about the topics that we're discussing. And it came to mind and I was like, actually, you know what? It seems to me like the difficulty, be the difficulty begins when topics that affect nations are not discussed to resolve, instead seen as an attack. Now, someone saying or discussing something or bringing something up, all right, um, is not a way of attacking fragility. It's not being uncomfortable. There's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. There's nothing wrong with failing. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. That's where the starting point of unlearning and decapitating what is been indoctrinated into our minds as what is a fact starts. If we want to progress to move forward and actually unify, we need to start at unlearning the indoctrination that has been set upon us. So we cannot start using they, them, and box people. Oh, I think there's uh, a lot of wisdom there. Uh, and of course, with respect uh, to the they, them, uh, gender, gender non-binary oh. folks. <laughs> <laughs> just want to make sure that we're clarifying that in case somebody was thank to you, thank particular... you, thank you for clarifying that I think <laughs> it, it crossed my mind it, it crossed my mind but then it also for, for some reason um it, it, it wasn't it wasn't directed towards the um um, um they yes. them the pronoun just... was more about boxing of, of, yes. of generalizing people no definitely and you know no no judgment since you definitely know far many more languages than i i I feel you on suffering through learning Vietnamese, but feeling it was important. <laughs> I, I, I was able to start picking up a lot of hearing and a lot of um, reading, the but the tones, the tones, the tones. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just- The tones are, they, they still baffle me. And, and yeah. as a multilingual person who speaks five different languages, you know, uh, two of the languages I speak have got very similar um, um, dialectics and, and semantics, but different tones. So it's very easy to, um, I, I, I had this moment where I was trying to order a coffee and I was trying to say a large coffee and I think this happens. And you know, um, in, in Vietnamese, large is long. Oh, I'm probably saying it wrong. Excuse me. Please do not, please do not judge me. I'm trying long. And um, the difference in tone would be the difference in word. So as we were talking about settling into Vietnam and picking up a few words and trying to communicate and integrate and all, it's actually authentically that um, because of the language and the tonal difference, um, people didn't understand us most of the time. They didn't understand because imagine getting a sentence, something like, door leaves cats over the stove. 
it's kind of like, I, I really want to help you, but I don't know where to start because that didn't make sense. And I was trying to order a, 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 a large coffee and um, my word for large um, translated, my tone translated as vagina. I don't know if I can say that. So, um, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, this lady looked at me like, yes, you do have a large vagina, but I don't know how to help you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, and, and I actually just had to use Google Translate and then she, 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 she started laughing. And uh, it's one of those, those things. We both struggled. The tones are definitely whew, a big one. But oh, gosh. You know, and I, I know road, road and pho, pho. The, the food, and then pho. their um, sex worker are all like the same same looking word but have different tones in the the students the yes. teenage students they try and catch you on that one um, and they will they're like teacher what's your favorite food <laughs> right yes uh but yeah i mean it's so important to to learning the culture and i i think that you i didn't we didn't necessarily touch on it in the introduction you bring uh another layer of thinking about colonialism to this as somebody from south africa Yes. Um, you know, do you, do you feel that gives you maybe a little bit more insight into being able to sit in this uncomfortableness, being able to to uh, learn more about the culture because you're you're coming from this context where you've already dealt with co colonialism and racism in your own life context? Um, well, I'll just start by um, just pointing out that there is a difference between white South Africanism and black South Africanism. So um, most of the um, South Africans that are in the expat community in Vietnam are predominantly white people. Let's look at the history of being able to afford to travel. It's not everyone's luxury and especially coming from an apartheid area, not many African families can afford to invest in, in travel and, and luxurious travel. So most of the Africans um, that I have met in, in Vietnam generally come from uh, a space where they had to save, sell, and bargain their way just to get here so that they can try and make a better living, which is a different perspective from a white South African who's like, hey, let's go see South Southeast Asia. And I'm not talking about all, I'm generalizing, I'm saying most and predominant, all right, come from more comfortable backgrounds. And being a black or African um, person in, in, in Southeast Asia has been also very eye-opening. As I mentioned um, in the beginning, um, Vietnam in itself is, a, is, is quite a homogenous country. Um, they are open. I mean, they, they obviously, they, they have technology. They are things. You can see that I've got lights. I'm, you know, using the internet. But... It's, it's, it's not an integrated, they don't know how to. So coming from where I come from, I, you know, um, being touched, coming from a Western culture, um, being touched and prodded and poked at and um, taken photos of and, and so on and so forth. And you're not, you know, haven't done anything notable for it. Like I'm not a celebrity for it. It kind of feels like I'm at a safari. So that was a very big adjustment for me to, to be able to recognize that, hey, by the way, I'm the different person and I'm the curiosity factor of it. But then it also sparked a very, very big thing in my head to say, hey, 
Why is it different when I walk alone as when I walk with a white person? So they're the same thing. So they are used to, so they consider a foreigner to be a white person. So there is that white man savior kind of ideology where it's kind of like a foreign man, English teacher can only be a white man with a certain look and they can have a beard. And then you kind of look at a black person and then they automatically assume. None of my students ever guessed that I came from Africa. They automatically assumed that I was a black American. And um, I attributed that to maybe perhaps a little bit of my twang, maybe I've got a twang, I don't know. Um, but they just acknowledge that there's any ways anyone from Africa as a black African could teach English. But there are lots of white South Africans that teach English because they're white, so they teach English, so they can, so they are qualified, which has sparked a lot of emotional turmoil amongst the um, African community here in Vietnam. It's much more difficult to, to find jobs. Um, people have stated, companies have stated, you know, obviously COVID period happened and, you know, we all had to look for other options. And um, there were very, very, you know, many different, I don't know how to word it in a calm way, but to, to get a response like, um, the parents are not going to be satisfied because they're not being taught by a white person is, 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 is very disgruntling when you are sat here with your qualifications, with your experience and with, you know, a neutral accent. I don't even want to talk about accents, but I'm here to teach and it's something that I know and I'm being discriminated against because of my color. That comes from an unknowing. That does not, that comes from an ignorance, which I would like to separate from, uh, 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 um, that comes from more indoctrination. That comes from, I don't know, and I am willing to learn. This is the way we know because we are a homogenous country as composed to how the expat community perceives it as, well, you are less because white man savior. So it then also then just puts into, into, into perspective as what is, um, um, what is it here? What is it that I am here to do? So I'm here to do this. And now I am being told otherwise. I'm being told that I identify differently. Therefore, I am not qualified. I am brown. Therefore, I am not qualified. That comes from a different mentality. And this is also coming from a Westerner. This is how people think and how people lessen or uh, belittle people that identify differently or are different. And this, 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 is a, this is a big problem within, I don't want to just say Vietnam, I think within just the world in general, when we look at importance and self-value. You've talked a lot about discomfort and about uh, yeah. uncomfortability. And yes. This has been a, a key part of this discussion and part of our preparation for this discussion. Yes. Why, why do you think it's so important for us to, to be okay with being uncomfortable, especially when we discuss these issues of, of race and colonialism? Um, you know, why? I think our culture, so many different cultures, especially Western cultures, really tell you that like uncomfortability is bad. Um, like yeah. the, that, that means you're doing something wrong. Um, why, yeah. why do you think that it's important that we actually do learn to be uncomfortable? 
Um, just stemming from the, the, is it an idiom or the phrase, um, ignorance is bliss? So we tend to want to stay in comfort. That's what we aim for. That's what we've been told to aim for, is that ignore the things that give us discomfort, ignore the things that challenge us um, and, uh, or, or challenge us to bring a, a change amount um, so that we can um, live our individual lives in comfort. But the importance about discomfort is the unlearning factor of it, is the decolonization of the indoctrinated education or the indoctrinated things that we've been taught to believe. So we are growing in an era where we information is fast. I can just log on now go Google something and learn about it as opposed to it's COVID times, the library's closed, so I cannot go get this book. I cannot go do this, all right? We have got access to all of this. Now it's about personal choice. If you are sitting in a particular point where you are saying ignorance is bliss, I would rather not discuss race. I would rather not discuss why you are having a difficult time being included in this community or why you are excluded in this community because actually I would rather enjoy my cocktail in peace because that's what I came here to do. Instead of having relevant discussions, then you are part of the problem because we are not progressive. The whole point of unlearning is to learn what is relevant, what is current to help us progress forward as a unity, as a, I respect you as another human being. We've got bigger problems than to be making problems from an old ideology. Well, I mean, so our, our last month of guests, we, we talked about uh, how it's important that we, that we let go of these old ways of doing things, that we don't just transpose um, old, old ideas onto the, onto the future. How do you think that we keep making those changes for, for a better future? How do we do good at acknowledging and at being inclusive? Like, how do we, how do we make, keep making that jump? Like, I, I don't think it's a one-time thing, um, but like, you know, what, what helps, I think uncomfortability pushes us towards that, but what are some other steps to really be making those changes that we, that we need to? Um. This is an ongoing discussion and obviously this is an ongoing topic and it's an ongoing topic globally. And I think it's, it's, it's about actually just making, um, uh, bringing these topics to light, being uncomfortable and bringing uncomfortability to a global awareness. This is something we should be promoting. This is something we should be speaking about. This is not saying that we are going to just one time use our celebrities to speak for one thing and promote one thing. This should be an ongoing discussion. We should be putting the why factor in front of so that we can bring about discussions that move forward where we can actually educate ourselves. There are people that are sat. I just learned a colleague of mine um, is well studied in anthropology, uh, philosophy, and you know it took a, a long time, but he sat in the back. Not everyone is a forward voice. Not everyone will speak first and not everyone will raise their hand. So for the people that can, let them know that there is safety in numbers. So you need to bring awareness. For me to learn that my colleague is actually well studied in this and actually agrees with me, 
actually made me feel more comfortable. It changed my perspective personally from being Miss um, Whiny Complainy, this lady is going to start talking about this, she's going to bring it out again. From that perspective into actually she's got a valid point, maybe perhaps there's something I need to look into. It just justified and gave me comfort that what I am saying I believe in is a problem and I want to deal with it and I want to be in this discomfort. Just made it more relevant, made me feel stronger. So you get different people who fit different roles and we need to be able to say, okay, you have got this, you're well studied in this. This is what you could do for me. I have got a strong voice. I have got this. You have got this. Let's work together. Let's work together to bring this awareness, to make sure that this is a continuous thing because the only way something stops being uncomfortable is if we have progressive conversation and actual factual education towards it that rectifies it. It's only uncomfortable because one person or one part of this is suffering through it and it, there is truth in it. So if we can just bring acknowledgement, awareness and continuous conversation to this, then we can keep the ball rolling. It becomes less comfortable. It becomes less uncomfortable. It becomes more normal. It changes the language that we use with each other. It acknowledges human beings as individuals who are respected and not just those people in a cluster. It takes away from, I don't even want to just say the white man savior mentality, but the, um, the I am the godly, I don't know what, what I'm trying to say. When you put yourself on a throne, Superiority complex? Superiority complex. It takes away from the superiority complex because there's less defense. You stop seeing uncomfortable conversation as an attack. You start to see it as a relevant open discussion where we can learn and unlearn and bring things into perspective. It's about correcting ignorance, not living in it. That is some... Man, I think I'm gonna be sitting there with that all day now. <laughs> and I, you know, I had some some really big takeaways there is that you named that this is, you know, a global struggle that, and I think that that was why I was really excited to have you on as a guest is because we can show that, you know, this is, you know, obviously we have our, our racial dynamics and we have white supremacy in the United States that is very much a, a problem, but it's important to understand yeah. the global context of all this. And yeah. I also really appreciate the way that you named that, uh, you know, everybody has a role in this fight for liberation. It doesn't always need to look the same. Uh, yes. And some people are going to be able to do certain things better and some people, well, you know, maybe can offer support. You know, we can, we can come from our, our, our various uh, walks of life to, to fight this fight together. We, we don't, all have to be the, the leading activists. We don't all have to, but what we can do is we can figure out ways to support each other. Um, yes. Which is yes. why I'm excited to be able to have this, this podcast be a place where we can give platform to, to voices that might not have otherwise had the chance to, to get heard on a, on a bigger scale. Um, so, uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for that. And thank you for having this um, uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> I, 
I'm always good for some some uncomfortability. Um, <laughs> gotta gotta learn to live in it. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Aisha, thank you so much for coming on for this podcast today. It's been phenomenal to get to uh, sit down and and um, learn from you to get to hear some wisdom uh, from you. It's only been a pleasure. It's only been a pleasure. And thanks as always to all of our listeners. Mm-hmm.